When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. A scaled-back Princess Diana event, more Battle of the Brothers, and money, money, money. It's all here on episode 31 of Podcast Royal. Welcome back to episode 31 of Podcast Royal, where in the midst of a week of Britney Spears news, we still have tons of royal news to report to you lovely listeners how are you jessica and what are you into this week i love that we do this segment now i yeah i do too and i love the mention of the britney spears news <laughs> like, okay, um, maybe this will deflect from royal news but no 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 <laughs> she yeah she's had quite a bombshell news week for sure um yeah, so this week I am some sort of into an unexpected trend for me. Um, a few days ago, actually, if you guys don't follow uh, from Berkshire to Buckingham on Instagram, go check her out. But Jane, who runs the account, um, yeah, she polled her followers and she was trying to get opinions on Kate Middleton being seen wearing her mom jeans, uh, which we know is a break from her typical skinny jean look. Um if you haven't seen it yet, she wore these high-waisted kind of loose-fitting jeans when she got her vaccine, and then she wore them again um, on an engagement at the National um, History Museum last week. So I messaged Jane, and, and I told her, I said, to be honest, I really love the skinny jean. I think it's so classic, um, but I definitely caved, and I jumped on the mom jean trend, and I did buy myself a pair. Um, mine are actually, they're similar to Kate's, but they're from Madewell, and um, Those are and nervous. other stories, right? They are, yes. Um, I was super nervous about it, but I tried them on and I have to say I liked them more than I expected to. So um, if you haven't, you know, gotten on that trend yet, uh, you might as well give it a try and, and see if it works for you. But I, I don't think, I, I don't think mom jeans should just replace our entire closet of skinny jeans. Um, I, I feel like it's a balance and that's what I kind of like about the trend. You know, I think it's, um, I don't know, it just provides us more options in our closet, right? Like we, we might want to wear a long flowy shirt with our skinny jeans. We might want to wear um, a shorter fitted top with our mom jeans. And so I'm kind of excited to expand my wardrobe a little bit. Um, I haven't worn them out yet, but, um, but I am going to hold on to them and hopefully I'll um, definitely get some more out of them this fall. So. Wear them to our next dinner. Yeah. Yeah. If it's not what a hundred and yeah, million well, degrees, true. like it's been in Alabama lately. <laughs> well, and all over the country, it's a, a, the U S is in the middle of a heat wave right now. And so, okay. I have two thoughts on the jeans. Number one, they were shocking. The, and other stories jeans were 
so shockingly polarizing. Um, people did not like them and I loved them. I think she looks great. And my second thought is I am so ready for the death of skinny jeans. I cannot even tell you. I am here for any jean that is not skinny jeans. I think she looks great. So I'm, I don't, what, what even is a mom jean? What constitutes a mom jean? That's a rhetorical question, but anyway, so I, I, I like it. So go Kate, go. You look great. And I love that uh, pink blazer too. Yeah, that was really cute. She looks gorgeous. Okay. So for my, what I'm into, I actually have three things this week. So I'm, I'm coming to the table hot. So, okay. The first two are some Netflix documentaries that I caught this past weekend. This is pop. Have you watched this? Have you seen this on Netflix? You know me, I am behind on yeah. Netflix. I have not. It's okay. It's okay. So this is like, I think it has eight parts to it. So it's basically a docu-series about pop music. And like the first episode is about boys to men. There's an episode in there about music festivals, but there's also an episode in there that's super interesting. And it is about how so many of our favorite pop songs were written and recorded in Sweden of all places and so these songwriters there's like a language barrier between English and um Swedish I I feel really stupid saying they speak Swedish right yeah okay (laughs) like yeah you idiot um anyway I do have a master's degree I promise but anyway so there's there's some kind of language barrier so example Britney, speaking of Britney Spears, baby, one more time, you know how it says hit me baby one more time. And we were all like, what the heck does that mean? Hit me baby (laughs) one more time. You're not going to touch me. Okay. Well, they, what that means is call me baby. Well, like hit me up, but Uh... because you know how, like, okay. So I, I took Spanish for five years in school, obviously not Swedish. Didn't even really know Swedish was a language until about five minutes, seconds ago, but that (laughs) will just look past that. But anyway, you know how like there's the way you learn a language, like you learn Spanish, but that's not how you really speak. Like that's not the vernacular. You know what I'm saying? So they, so what that, that lyric means is hit me up, like, give me a call, call me baby one more time. Um, and then another one is, do you remember back when we were kids, the group Ace of Bass yeah. and the song, All That She Wants? Mm-hmm. all that I'm not going to sing on here even though I do have a microphone sitting next to me so it's tempting but anyway the lyric says all that she wants is another baby she's gone yes. tomorrow I've okay. always wondered what that okay so so me too I was like so what you're trying to say is that she just wants to use you to get pregnant like is that what that <laughs> lyric means no that is not what it means it, it the the way they meant it was all that she wants is another hookup like another babe, like uh, another boyfriend. Uh, but see, that. these things didn't translate because of the language barrier. So anyway, who knew? This is pop on Netflix. You can learn that and a lot of other things about pop music. And then also on Netflix this weekend, this documentary called Wonder Boy about Olivier Roosting from Balmain. He is just this brilliant fashion mind. And if anybody is like into fashion and loves designers like I do. Um, he's so, he's only a year older than me. He's born in 1985. And so he's so young, but anyway, this documentary is tracing him finding out more about his birth parents. He was adopted as a, as a baby. And it's, 
so emotional and so moving. I was so touched. You get to see this. I mean, not that I know him well or something, but I got to see a side of him. I'd never seen, you know, all you really ever see of a designer is him or her at the end of a fashion show taking a bow and it's just really good. So those are my two Netflix picks. Have you, I doubt you haven't seen either of those yet. I have not. Okay. Well, I would (laughs) highly recommend both. You know, um, if, yeah, I definitely want to check out the pop uh, music. Yeah, I'll well. really enjoy that for sure. Yeah, and each episode of that is like 40 minutes. And so you, you can do one a night and be done in a week. So, but the third thing that I'm into this week is this skin cream that I love. Oh my gosh, it's called Finlaya. And Jessica, you know, and I think our listeners by this point know that I am a beauty and skincare junkie. I cannot have enough products. And my mom, who is also a beauty and skincare junkie, actually introduced me to this cream a couple of years ago. And then I actually introduced you to this cream Mm -hmm. like a month or two ago and you liked it, right? Yeah. Well, so one thing I I guess, I don't know if listeners know this about me, but I'm really into um, clean beauty. And so, um, you know, it's always really important for me to know the ingredients that I'm putting on my skin. And and I do a lot of research on that. And so I really loved that this cream um, is fragrance free. And that's really, really great if you have sensitive skin or, you know, you're prone to allergies um, or or breakouts. Um, That's always, that's always great because a lot of times fragrance has so many hidden toxins Mm. um, that we don't know about. And so I I did really, really love that it was fragrance free and it was super soft. Yeah. And, and I have the most sensitive skin in the world and the cream has been a lifesaver for me because when I get really stressed out and like who hasn't been stressed out in the last year and a half, right. My skin does this lovely little thing called develop eczema, especially on my hands. And so Finlaya is actually one of the only skin creams I've found that can cure my eczema up. That's not prescription cream. And so when I don't feel like going to the dermatologist, I just grab my Finlaya jar. And as you said, it's fragrance free. And we are so obsessed with this product. If you can't tell that we contacted the owner and she is actually willing to give podcast Royal listeners who are also Amazon prime members, 20% off the product on her Amazon store. So now it's only $12.99 a jar. That is such a steal for what this product does. So we will make sure to link her Amazon store in the show notes for you to easily access. This is a women-owned small business. So as you know, we fully support women-owned small businesses on this podcast. So this deal is only running until July 10th. So you got to go get your hot little hands on it now. It's called Finlaya. We'll link it in the show notes. So for sure. And I have to say, uh, you'll be really pleased with the generous size of, of this cream too. Yeah. The jar's huge for 12, for 1299 on like on this deal. That is, that's, that's almost highway robbery. That's crazy. So listeners check it out. Show notes. We'll link it. And now let's get to the Royal Rundown because we are actually not a fashion and beauty podcast (laughs) or a pop culture. Well, we kind of are a pop culture podcast, I guess. But anyway, okay, Royal Rundown time. And then we have a really exciting surprise for you in the middle of the Royal Rundown. We have an, an interview that just blows my mind. I can't believe this happened. We're recording this episode Tuesday night. We had this interview earlier today and it's with Robert Lacey. We talked to Robert Lacey today, Jessica, and we talked about his new book and we'll get there. But, um, but first I want to say that tomorrow, July 1st is the big day. 
what would have been Diana's 60th birthday. And of course, the unveiling of a statue of her at Kensington Palace, which I feel like we have been talking about this forever. And now it is here. So this event, of course, will reunite brothers William and Harry and Kensington Palace has released new details about the event that are much more scaled back than previously anticipated. For starters, we knew all along that Megan wouldn't be there, but now we've heard that Kate is not going to be there either. And it's going to be very much Diana's family. William and Harry will be joined by Diana's family members, statue committee members, the statue sculptor, Ian Rank Broadley, and the designer of the sunken garden at Kensington Palace, Pip Morrison, which is just the best British name, Pip Morrison. Um, if you'll remember the sunken garden, by the way, at Kensington Palace is where Harry and Meghan announced their engagement in 2017. So a fun fact about the sculptor Ian Rank Broadley, he is the one who created the image of the queen that appears on all British coins since 1998. So Jessica, what are your thoughts on the big day tomorrow? What are you expecting? Well, first I have to say that's a really cool fact about the sculptor. Uh, those are some pretty remarkable achievements. Um, you know, I'm really interested to see how this unveiling, um, you know, how it goes and what they have planned for the full event. I guess my hope is that the family is really pleased with the statue and I hope the event does a great job honoring her life. Um, and, you know, I just want everyone to be able to come together and put the focus on her um, for this event and, and really this week of, of her birthday. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I, I think we all have a desire for William and Harry um, to just, in remembering their mother, also remember the important bond that they share that is really unlike any other bond that they have with anyone else in the world. And, and I hope that they're reminded of that this week. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, we hoped, right, that Prince Philip's funeral would bring the brothers back together as we learned through reading Robert Lacey's uh, revised Battle of Brothers. That did not happen. But you know, maybe we're putting too much pressure on this event, but William and Harry are the only two people in the world that can call Diana mom. There are, there's a handful of people that could have called Philip uh, grandfather, great grandfather, but William and Harry are the only two people on planet earth that can call princess Diana, their mom. And so I hope that today, not today, Thursday will be cathartic for them. I hope it will be healing in some way for their relationship and we'll see what happens I know we'll talk about it next week on the show but anyway so um gosh my 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 hopes are high but um I hope that I hope I'm not kind of over glamorizing it and putting too much pressure on it but Okay, so I'm certain that we have mentioned Robert Lacey's book, Battle of Brothers, on the show before. It was actually one of Jessica and I's favorite royal reads of 2020, and we'll talk about this later in the show, but Jessica and I are both big readers. If you, I'm sure you've picked up on that by now. Well, Robert, who asked him, asked us to call him Robert, otherwise we would have called him Mr. Lacey, but we're calling him Robert because that's what he wants to be called. He has released... 12 new chapters of the book, which the book was released in October 2020. So obviously it's an understatement to say that the battle has raged on 
since then, understatement of the year. So we had the honor of speaking to the man himself, Robert Lacey, about all of the new information in the revised Battle of Brothers. Take a listen. It is an honor to have on the show today, Robert Lacey, author of the recently released book, Battle of Brothers, William, Harry, and the Inside Story of a Family in Tumult. Obviously, much has happened since the book's original release last October, and this updated edition features 12 new chapters that cover the Oprah interview, the real reason the household split, Megan's earrings, the bullying allegations, and the arguments following Prince Philip's funeral. Mr. Lacey has been writing about the royal family for nearly 40 years and is the historical consultant on a show you may have heard of, The Crown. We're so glad you're here today, Robert. Thank you so much for joining us. Lovely to join you too. So you told us to call you Robert offline, so we will respect that request. So <laughs> Robert, you have done it again, a book I could not put down. I messaged Jessica last night as I was reading it, and I said, this is juicier than any soap opera I've ever seen. So there's obvious reasons, right? But why after the release of the book last fall to much fanfare, did you feel the manuscript needed to be updated? Well, because um, particularly Harry and Meghan just won't slow down. I mean, uh, to get serious and historical for a moment straight away, um, people have compared the present situation in the royal family to 1936 and the abdication of King Edward VIII when he was whisked away by another wicked American divorcee. Um, and it's a good comparison, and I think it's a good thing to start with. But one crucial difference is that whereas the Duke of Windsor, as he became, Edward VIII and Duchess, they went into exile, they produced two sets of memoirs, um, one each, and then they said nothing else. Um, this modern set of exiles, um, Harry and Meghan, don't stop talking. Indeed, that is one of the purposes of why they've left the royal family. They want the freedom to talk. And that has led to all sorts of things happening. I mean, to summarize the main points that are different in my updated version, in the first hardback version of Battle of Brothers um, that came out last year, I covered the relatively well-known um, disagreement that they'd had over Harry in his courting days and William's feeling that, brother, why don't you slow down your courtship? You're going out with that woman. Apparently Harry took great exception to that phrase, that woman. And we all knew um, that that was the beginning of their modern rift. They'd had rifts and disagreements in the past. There's an ongoing situation of great rivalry going right back to the age of four when little Harry was told to behave in the back of a car, he said, I don't have to behave. I'm not gonna be a future king like you. Um, and that clash of roles has been an ongoing um, difference. The, the big discovery that, 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 that I think, I, I would say this, wouldn't I, but makes my updated book fresh, was at the time when the Times of London, earlier this year, was running um, allegations, we have to stress that only allegations of bullying behavior by Meghan towards her staff. A friend of mine happened to be talking to Prince William on the phone and just made reference to these allegations in the Times. And William said, that's it. You should know that's the real reason I split from Harry. I had the row with him 
over his courting of Meghan and I thought he ought to slow down. He didn't. Um, I brought in my, our uncle Spencer. Um, he, he couldn't get Harry to change his mind. But then I was presented in October um, 2018. It's an important date, about five, six months after the marriage. Um, they're just about to go off, Meghan and Harry, on what proved to be an absolutely stellar and successful tour of the Pacific and Australia. Meghan was just getting pregnant. It was when her pregnancy was announced. And at that very moment, um, a man called Jason Knauf, an American, um, the press officer, um, communications secretary for um, Harry and Meghan, um, came to Prince William with allegations he'd received of bullying um, on the part of Meghan, which as I have to stress, she totally denies. In fact, we know Harry and Meghan have prepared a 30 page dossier um, in which they give their account of what went wrong, why so many members of staff left them early. Um, and William said, that was what caused the split. That is when I said, I do not want this couple and particularly that woman whom he referred to as merciless in my household anymore. It's a joint household, but at the end of the day, I'm the head of it. I don't want them there. And so that's the main turning point that I now propose in the history of these brothers in my book. Um, and this leads to one other um, new dimension that we've always presumed that when Harry and Meghan went off to live in Windsor, and got themselves new offices in Buckingham Palace. That was a matter of their choice. No, I am told, um, by both sides. It was in fact William who said, I don't want you in my household anymore, leave please. And so that was when the split happened. Mm. So speaking of bullying, the book reports that Megan went mental at her personal assistant when blankets for guests at Sandringham, uh, when they had the shooting party, were not the right shade of red. Um, that those who left Harry and Megan's employee called themselves the Sussex Survivors Club. Uh, and you write, under pressure to perform herself, Megan apparently placed her palace staff under undue pressure. And with month, within months, cracks and strains started to emerge. Um, so we know, you know, you mentioned the um, Hurricane Megan spraying out demanding emails with the dawn and expecting her staff to be awake to answer them at five in the morning. Um, the shouting and weeping that had AIDS secretaries um, retreating in tears. And then, as you said, Megan, of course, has fiercely denied these claims. So we're wondering, after doing all of the research that you've done, what is your take on this? And do you think Megan is the bully or the victim? Um, I think it's a, it's a matter of both. Um, I, um, we have to stress that um, these allegations yes, have been denied by Meghan and her lawyers, but B, they have been published um, in the Times of London. Um, they were surveyed twice by Meghan's high-powered London lawyers. And um, while they said this is based on untrue information, um, they could not actually deny them. I mean, they said this is a smear campaign. I think they could well be right. I think there's quite a lot of evidence that um, these allegations, the allegations we know were made. There's a memo dated October um, 2018. Um, so we know these allegations were made by three or four British 
um, courtiers who believe themselves to have been victimized. Meghan absolutely denies it. I think that's a pity um, because um, we're, we're quite sure that at that time she was under a lot of pressure, um, just becoming pregnant, just getting used to this rather hostile environment inside the palace. Um, uh, there's so much evidence that um, she was under pressure is what she told Oprah after all. Um, I think it's quite natural that in that situation, she might have lashed out at a few members of staff, um, uh, that she put them under the pressure she felt she was under. I mean, another episode, um, and we've got many witnesses of this, happened in the Suva marketplace in Fiji, when suddenly she froze. Um, it seems that she saw a poster on the wall advertising an organization called UN Women. And she suddenly realized that they, this organization with which she was once associated, but with which she had parted, was going to get all the publicity from her visit. And so she said something to one of her aides who shriveled and went and sat in a car quivering uh, with tears and fear, and she stalked out of the market. Now, that is not just an allegation. That was seen by the whole British press party. And the whole British press party saw the state of that poor female aide um, as a result of the way Meghan had addressed her. Um, it, it's undeniable that she, she, she's a tough cookie. She herself has said, um, um, I don't think I exist to coddle my staff. But I'm sure many of your listeners and participants in this podcast will sympathize with Meghan as I do. Um, um, but as I look ahead to how we're going to resolve this issue of the, of the clash between the brothers, what are we looking at? What's the evidence? Firstly, the row when the two, brother, when, when the two brothers got together to discuss the courtship. <clears throat> well, that's two or three years ago now. <clears throat> Secondly, um, there is this whole issue around the bullying. I think it's such a pity that Meghan and Harry can't just say, well, look, um, maybe there was um, too much pressure exerted on the staff. If there was, we're sorry, let's move on. I think one of the unfortunate things is that they are absolutely fighting back um, as if their whole lives and reputation depended on it. And that is one of the reasons that's actually prolonging the split. So you mentioned briefly, but we've got to go into this, that bombshell Oprah interview. We can't not cover that. So the book offers up many contradictions found throughout that two-hour interview. Which of these contradictions disturbs you the most? Um, I think the biggest contradiction um, in, in the, the interview with Oprah came at that moment when Megan was talking about these very bullying allegations that um, we're, we're talking about now and how um, at that time she was pregnant with Archie and someone she said um, was, was, was talking about, and, and we now know that the someone she was talking about was Prince Charles. Someone was talking about um, taking away Prince Archie's, no, sorry, he's not even a prince yet, taking away Archie's future status as 
uh, Prince and HRH. Now, I'm sure your royal lovers um, who are who 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 are for, who are familiar with your podcast know about this, but we better just run through it. There is a convention in the British royal family that dates back to the year of 1917, when the House of Saxe-Coburg-Gotha changed its name to Windsor. Uh, they were, George V at the time was worried that there were too many princes and HRHs and princesses around. HRH and prince princess are the same sort of thing. It's, it's another way of describing the same status. And um, he decreed that um, 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 grandchildren of a reigning sovereign could become HRH, but not beyond that. Um, so that means, that convention means that when Prince Charles becomes king, um, all his grandchildren under that convention are due to become HRHs. Um, little um, Prince George already is, as are his sister Charlotte and, and brother Louis. Um, the same status would then extend to um, the children of the Sussexes, Archie and Lily, except for the fact, and here we turn to another book called Finding Freedom um, um, by Omid Scobie, very close to the, um, the, the, the Duke and Duchess of Sussex, in which he and his co-author Carolyn Duran actually address this issue and their version of the story, approved, we must believe, by the Sussexes, is that when little Archie was first born, um, Meghan and Harry, in a rather carefree sense, said, he doesn't have to be a prince. He was offered a title, Earl of Dumbarton. <laughs> well, apparently, um, Meghan didn't like the sound of the name Earl of Dumbarton because she thought all his little American friends would make fun of him and call him dumb. And she's <laughs> probably right. So they said, we don't want a title for Archie. It doesn't matter. Um, he certainly doesn't need to be Earl of Dumbarton and he doesn't need to be a royal either. At which point apparently Prince Charles said, well, the thing is, he's actually due to become a royal when I become king. But if you like, I can change the convention. And at that point, apparently, Meghan and Harry said, apparently, okay, well, let's go with that. By the time they came to be sitting down with Oprah, their feelings had changed. And Prince Charles's offer to downgrade Archie's future status so he wouldn't be royal had come to be a grievance. And as we memorably recall from that interview, it was linked to a conversation, Meghan said, about the color of Archie's skin. And that's when we got this memorable moment of um, uh, Oprah almost leaping from her chair and saying, hold on, wait a minute, what are you saying? Um, someone talked to you about the color of Archie's skin. And at that moment, Megan said, uh, uh, well, no, actually they didn't talk to me. They talked to Harry. So when Harry later turned up in the interview, um, Oprah doing her job as an interviewer said, about this conversation about the color of Archie's skin. And he said, oh, well, no, that, that was a long time ago. That was in the early, that was in the beginning. That was his word. And they talked about the kids. So this is the moment I fix on in the book is showing that Meghan's recollection um, as the queen herself would later say, 
didn't correspond to other people's recollections. There was no conversation at the time she was pregnant with um, Archie about the color of the baby's skin. Harry himself said that happened a long time before and involved any possible kids they might have. Now, let me say, I am not excusing this at all. It was a racist question, a racist perspective, and you can quite agree, quite understand why the couple took offense at it. But it, it just shows that, um, well, as the queen herself said, um, recollections may vary. Mm. So changing subjects a little bit here, um, the book also touches on William's cheating allegations with Rose Hanbury. And I thought it was really interesting that you included this in the book. Um, so I'm wondering, do you think anything improper happened based on your research? I feel like we've had, um, you know, in, in all the news stories that we've seen, it's been really difficult to kind of um, get answers on this. Well, you're referring to Rose Hanbury, um, a very dear friend of, of Megan and also, sorry, a very dear friend of Kate, let's get that right. Uh -huh. um, um, Rose Hanbury is an English aristocrat living out in Norfolk, very close to William and Kate. and. Um, uh, there are rumors um, that uh, she and um, William had a closeness. Um, and I felt these should be addressed. Um, they're all over the foreign press. Um, they're scarcely touched on by the Brits. Um, but I did some research. Um, I talked to people who lived out in Norfolk and they said, we don't think it's true. We, we've got no evidence for this whatsoever. And not just no evidence. Um, they're, 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 they're two couples, um, Rose and her husband, uh, William and Kate, who are friends. Um, um, but when I investigated further, I mean, I, I, I tracked down a, a journalist, a friend of a friend called Giles Corran. And um, he, he rather jokingly put out a tweet when these rumors started to circulate saying, everybody knows about the affair, darling. Now, he later retracted the treat. So I got in touch with him and said, what's this? Every newspaper in the world is quoting Giles Curran, restaurant critic of the Times, saying everybody knows about the affair, darling. He said, I was just being funny. I'd had um, quite a boozy lunch. Um, I was pissed, he said. Now, pissed in English, it's a vulgar word, but it means drunk in English. I understand in America, it means angry. Mm -hmm. well, it does. I read that and I thought that was interesting. He referred to the fact that he'd had too much to drink. And as a sort of joke, um, he said, everybody knows about the affair, darling. Even I know, and I'm a Jew from West London. Um, <laughs> and that was meant to indicate that if even Jews in West London know about this affair, um, it must just be pure legend. Um, and so that is the way I present it in the book, as a legend, as a malicious legend, as the sort of um, slander that the royal family have to put up with. Um, but she's in the book, there's a picture of Rose in the book, um, and I examine all the evidence as much as I can discover. I, I, I turned to every journalist who ever wrote about it and they said, um, uh, no, well, actually, no, sorry, we, we didn't actually speak to somebody who got evidence, but look what Giles Corrin said, or look what this French newspaper said. And then you look at the French newspapers, what have they done? They've taken photographs and cut them and put them together to create compromising images that weren't mm -hmm. true. 
We could talk to you all day, but our last question for you is so poignant for this week in particular. Towards the end of the book, you quote Diana, whose 60th birthday, of course, would have been this week had she lived to see it. She told William and Harry, quote, you must promise me that you will always be each other's best friends and never let anyone come between you, end quote. So obviously she would be incredibly disappointed in their relationship as of late. Do you think this, I know you're not a fortune teller, but do you think the statue unveiling this week will help matters? I know you write in the book that the crown has to matter more to William than his brother. Um, so that being said, where do the brothers go from here? Um, as I've written and researched this book, if there's one question um, I've been asked more than any other, it's what would Diana have made of it? And linked to that, would she have stopped it if she'd been alive? And I can only reply those are hypothetical questions, but we're about to discover something on the 1st of July because, um, and of course, many of your viewers um, uh, and, and listeners to this podcast will already be listening after the 1st of July and they know more than any, either, any of us do about it. But on the 1st of July, I'm safely predicting that Diana will be missing. She's there on the plinth, um, physical representation. But those two brothers will be in the presence of their mother. They'll be thinking about their mother. They will be there because, perhaps reluctantly in view of their disagreements, they've agreed to come together to do their mother honor. Um, and I like to hope, and I hope that my hope is not contradicted by events, that um, their coming together will help. It's very interesting that this occasion, at the moment, as we view it from a few days beforehand, will be an entirely Spencer occasion. No Queen, no Charles, not surprisingly, perhaps no Camilla, but also, we are told, probably no Catherine either. It will just be the two brothers whose efforts have put this statue up. Even if there were not the issue of um, their disagreement, the unveiling of this statue to Diana is a tremendously significant event in the history of the British monarchy. If you'd said 25 years ago, one day there's going to be a statue to Diana in the grounds of Kensington Palace, people would have said you're crazy. The queen will never stand for it. Well, probably the queen doesn't want it. Charles would never stand for it. Well, he probably doesn't want it either. There's never going to be a statue to King Charles III, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> but there is a statue to this remarkable woman who changed the face of the British monarchy, who produced these two boys. And I like to think that um, that historical reality and importance is going to play a role um, on the 1st of July and thereafter in encouraging these two boys to do honor to their mother's memory. I mean, what is this argument about? It goes back three or four years to maybe a bossy, officious elder brother saying, hey, bro, what's going on here? Or it goes back to, and it goes back to, um, these allegations still unproven against Meghan. Well, you know, whether or not she bullied her staff, she doesn't employ any more royal staff. It's not a live issue. We're just left with animosity between two brothers who used to be so close and have now in their rivalry 
and in their disagreement over one of their wives, um, um, found themselves at odds. Get over it, guys. That's what I say. Um, and I hope that as they think about what their mother would say, they will come to see that way as well. I hope so, too. You are such a wealth of knowledge. The updated Battle of Brothers is on sale now in the UK and will be released in the US on October 19th. Listeners in the US, trust us. It is worth the little bit of a wait. Thank you so much for being here today, Robert. Thanks, Rachel and Jessica. And maybe, if I may say, I can come back and talk to you again in October when the book comes out. We would love that. You're welcome any time. You could come on every week if you wanted to. We adore (laughs) you. We adore you. Thank you so much for being here. Let's make a date for October. Thanks very much. Great. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Okay, so that was amazing. Um, He is an incredible historian, writer, person. Um, I don't want our listeners to think that in any way we were bashing anyone. We were just asking the question, so please don't kill the messenger. But I want to know your thoughts on what Robert said. Well, it was so wonderful to have him on the podcast. He was incredibly kind and easy to talk to. And I was so excited for the opportunity to hear from him and get his perspective. Um, you and I have both, we, we read the first version of the book and we've both read the um, second edition that he just released. And um, it was a great book. Listeners, if, if you haven't read it yet, which I'm sure you probably haven't given it's just come out, um, definitely put that on your list and check it out. Um, it's full of details. And, you know, my take on it is he has a very long resume of um, writing and and researching. And you can really tell in speaking to him that he's done his research and um, he knew what he was talking about and he had a really unique perspective. Um, And I just feel like I learned so much hearing from him. And I really, um, I really just appreciated the work that, that he put into that. What about you? Yeah, well, so both Jessica and I read the 608 page revised edition last night. We just got it yesterday. So, um, but you know what? It was an easy read because it's so compelling. Like every page, like it's, it's a, as I said in the interview, it's a soap opera. I mean, it's, it's a real life soap opera. And I could listen to Robert Lacey talk for hours. I mean, just he is so of facts and such a wealth of knowledge. And uh, I just hope he keeps writing books. I mean, I, you know, he, he could have written a completely new book, but instead he took what I, I, he believed in what he wrote so much the first time around that he added to it. And I, I think that adding an addendum is not always common, but very necessary after the events of 2021 so far. So I mean, I had the time of my life and we'll have to invite him back. I mean, no question. He's has an open invitation to come on this show. So we'll have him back on later in the year when the U.S. edition comes out. It's hard to like, I feel like we have all this insider knowledge of this book and it's not going to come out for what, like three more months. Yeah. I mean, I think it was smart of him to release that second edition. And I will say listeners, if you like interesting reads, um, get this book, you will not be bored. It is, it's got a lot of great details in there. So definitely. Oh yeah. I tore through the, and I'm a fast reader anyway, but I tore through this book. 
last night. So um, thank you, Robert, for coming on. And you are for sure going to come back because we're going to announce this in a minute. I don't want to spoil our announcement, but uh, we might just be having a book club and you've <laughs> got to be one of our fall picks. So, okay. A little bit more dull topic. Um, the, <laughs> 20, the 20, the, the 2020-2021 sovereign grant report was released this week. And my goodness, it's a lot. It's a whole lot of number crunching. And look, I'm a writer. I my commodity is words. I, I don't do numbers very well. And but anyway, we won't bore you listeners with the deep innards of the report, but I do want to share some highlights from it. So Harry and Megan own Frogmore Cottage until March 31st, 2022, as they've paid rent on the 10-bedroom home through a $3.3 million payment made to the royal family in September 2020, which apparently really saved the royal family's finances last year in the pandemic. Um, The payment really helped offset the 53% fall in tourism-related finances as a result of the pandemic. So way to go, Harry and Megan. I don't know if you intended to do that. I think they might have made that payment. um, Well, it said they made the payment in September, didn't it? So um, yeah, they, um, they, they knew it was the pandemic. And so maybe that was their way of of helping cover what they knew would be uh, a year of financial loss because there were no, obviously no Buckingham Palace tours, no any tours. And so um, 53% fall in tourism. That's not shocking, but it's still staggering to say that. So the report also says that while the uh, firm has stopped its search for a diversity chief, but hasn't ruled out the role in the future, the royal household does have a goal of increasing ethnic diversity or ethnic minority employees, excuse me, to 10% from 8.5% by next year. So overall spending was up for the last financial year due in large part to an ongoing refurbishment at Buckingham Palace. The total amount spent rose 3.5 million pounds, which translates to $4.8 million from the previous year to 85.9 million pounds or $120 million. That's, and that's not great for a year when you took a 53% loss in tourism related finances. So um, more than this, is a lot of numbers, more than 51.5 million pounds, $71.7 million of the total sum funded the queen's official duties and engagements, as well as paying for her staff. Um, Also of note, there were 47 Royal helicopter trips totaling uh, 669,149 pounds, which is $934,510. I haven't crunched this many numbers since I was in math class in college. Uh, Plus, 500,000 pounds, which translates to $696,000 on cleaning and laundry. That is a lot of cleaning and laundry and more than 700,000 pounds, which is uh, nearly a million dollars, 974,000, inverting my numbers, $382 on rail travel, which probably a lot of that came from the Royal train tour that William and Kate took at the end of the year. So that's a lot of numbers. Thank you to Omid Scobie's article in uh, Harper's Bazaar for helping me crunch those numbers. He put it very succinctly and I appreciate that. Thank you, sir. So Jessica, what are your thoughts on these numbers? 
Well, I think it's interesting to see the breakdown of the expenses and I'm trying to decide if I'm surprised by any of them. Um, I do think the refurbishment at Buckingham Palace um, is probably really important. And I actually not really put much thought into this before um, as far as what goes into maintaining and preserving, you know, this enormous grand historical palace. And so I was thinking about it this week and Buckingham Palace was actually built in 1703. Um, so think about everything that has to be done through the decades and the centuries to really keep it up to date with changing technology and, you know, modern standards of living. I mean, things like plumbing, electrical, um, you know, smart devices, um, you know, and then there's regular updates like painting, cleaning, routine maintenance. So a beautiful palace in 1703 might not be so beautiful and grand in 2021 if mm. it didn't have the appropriate upkeep. So that was kind of an interesting one for me to think about because um, I don't know that I had really put that much thought into it in the past. But yeah. I will say I was surprised by 47 helicopter trips. Um, so at first that seems really high, but then I guess it depends how many in the family use the helicopters. So, you know, how far does it extend to various members of the family? Is it just senior members or, you know, if it's all of her majesty's children and grandchildren, maybe 47 isn't really high. Um, so I don't know. I, I do have to point out probably everyone's already talking about this, but I see how it could feel contradictory to push environmentalism and then have 47 helicopters. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard that said this week and in, uh, in many times actually. So, yeah, so I don't know. Um, I guess I would need more detail there, but I think it was a little surprising. Um, and then the other thing that really stuck out to me was, um, what was it? 700,000 on cleaning and laundry. So that's a lot of tied. And well, that is a lot of <laughs> laundry. I mean, that's a lot of money. Well, so I'm actually not really shocked by that number, just given they're Royals, they wear really expensive clothes that have to be cleaned properly. And they're doing several engagements throughout the year. Um, but what really got me thinking was, you know, we talk a lot about being inspired by the Royals. So I'm just thinking, okay, how many of our listeners out there pay for dry cleaning regularly, or maybe you have a maid come to your house. I generally do my own laundry and, and all of my cleaning, unless I have like a, a formal dress or something that I need to get cleaned. Mm -hmm. So I'm just sitting here thinking, would paying a maid or a dry cleaner to do all of my laundry be worth the extra time back that you get from not having to do that yourself. Um, so I'm just sitting here thinking like, maybe we need to do a, a segment on life hacks by the Royals. You, yes, <laughs> maybe they've cracked yes. the code. <laughs> yes, yes, you've got, you've got to do that. And so, I mean, I'm sitting here being all judgy and I, so this is pre-COVID. I, I haven't um, rehired my housekeeper uh, since the last time she came was March 2nd, 2020. And then, and then it's just been me for the last year, which is fine. But I, I allow myself two luxuries in this life. I live a pretty, all, all things considered pretty low key, like low maintenance life, but I allow myself two luxuries, spa treatments, which I just got back from one, like an hour ago and a housekeeper. And that 
is, and I don't even have children who make a mess of the house. I'm pretty tidy and clean, but the housekeeper, like I miss having a housekeeper because cleaning is like, it's just, let's just be honest. It's just not fun. And, you know, if you're, if you're a member of the British Royal family, I, I mean, I, I, I guess you just, I mean, that's a lot like, look, my square footage compared to Buckingham Palace, that's a lot to clean. So um, no judgment, but uh, that is, that's almost $700,000 on cleaning and laundry. That's a lot of money. It is. No judgment here though, because I, uh, you know, I, I, I think like, you know, I think I can hire my housekeeper back pretty soon because I think, you know, we're, we're having we're opening back up again around the world. So anyway, I digress. Okay. So after Kate's big week last week, William announced his first ever environmental Earthshot prize will be in London on October 17th. I can't wait for this. It's going to be really glitzy, really star studded, um, going to feature really star studded lineup and will be televised globally. So that will be fun. We should have a watch party, Jessica. And we'll celebrate the first five winners of the Earthshot Prize, who will each be given one million pounds. So that's $1.4 million. So I can't wait to tune into that. We also saw William out in Scotland supporting the Queen this weekend, which was very sweet. And yeah, I, um, I have to jump in. On this? Yeah, well, so I, I don't know if listeners saw the, the picture that we shared from, from their Instagram account, but um, I just really loved seeing them together. You know, it was the two of them, both of these generations, we have our, our current queen and our, our future king working together. And we don't really see just the two of them out together very often like that. So I thought it was kind of a special moment. Um, and, you know, we always hear a lot about how Harry is really close with his grandmother. And maybe this is just me, but I feel like I, I don't always hear as much about the relationship between William and, and his granny. And I think mm-hmm. through the photos that they shared, we really got to see how close they are and, and they looked like they enjoyed working together and she looked great in that blue outfit. Um, did look great. Loved it. So I just had to throw that in there real quick. Yeah. I mean, William and his grandmother are, are extraordinarily close on two fronts. First of all, the grandmother grandson relationship, but also because he is her apprentice, you know, she, he is, he is learning how to do his future job from her and has been since he was a teenager. And, um, you know, there, there's stories told across many different books I've read about how the queen and Philip, when William was at Eton would have him out to lunches at Windsor all the time, just to talk shop and to kind of learn that, you know, learn how to do the job. And so there, obviously, you know, the queen is allowed to be close to all of her grandchildren. She does not have to choose. And she's very close to Harry, but she's also very close to William, but in a, you know, in, in the same way as she loves them both as her grandsons, but also in a different way, because this is the future of the institution that she's worked for, for her whole life. So um, it's a very special relationship. And speaking of heirs, by the way, um, George today, this is, this is uh, yes. late breaking. So George went with his parents to an England soccer match and he was wearing a tie. He looked so <laughs> grown up. I'm not ready for this. He is eight years old, July 22nd. I am not ready for him to look like a little man. Um, he looks so grown up. Did you see the pictures of him? 
I did. And um, I wasn't expecting him to be at the event. So I was really excited to see that. And I felt like he was almost like a little mini William. They were sort of dressed alike. Um, mm-hmm. And they all looked really um, happy to be out at that event. And, you know, I was just saying a few weeks ago on, on a previous episode that that was kind of my hope that we would start seeing both William and Kate out, hopefully with the kids at some events this summer. So I was really happy about that. He just looked so grown, Jessica. I'm not he ready did. for this. Yeah, like, I know. I know. I'm not ready for this. We said, I think we said last week in the William birthday facts that William took on his first official engagement when he was eight. Well, George will be eight in like three weeks. And so, oh, I just can't, I, I don't, I'm not like, these aren't even my kids. And I'm like, you're growing up too quickly. <laughs> I'm not ready. Okay. So I am so geeked out about this. I am so excited to announce the start of our Royal Book Club. Insert fanfare music here that we don't have. Woo, woo. So, <laughs> so obviously we'll put Battle of Brothers on the fall list, but it's not out in the US yet. So we'll wait on that. We'll have Robert Lacey back to talk about that. But we have two summer picks to recommend. The Windsor Diaries by Alethea Fitzalan Howard, which actually Michelle Tauber mentioned on the podcast last week. There's a feature in People Royals magazine on it and Prince Philip Century by Robert Jobson. So pick up copies of these books, listeners, and we will dive into them more later in the summer. We'll start with the Windsor Diaries. So uh, pick up both books and follow along with us as we read and learn the Windsor Diaries. I've read both of them actually. And um, the Windsor Diaries, as Michelle said, is an account of uh, the Queen and, and Princess Margaret's dear friend growing up. It's their childhood out at Windsor. It's in the 30s and 40s. And it's just such a rare inside glimpse into life with them as children. And then, of course, Prince Philip Century is is a biography of Prince Philip, and it was actually going to be written to celebrate his 100th birthday, which would have been in June, but of course he passed away before that could be released. So both books are great, and those are our summer uh, book picks. You know, you and I both love to read, so this feels like a natural fit. Yeah, definitely. I'm looking forward to checking both of those out. Yeah, so... Your homework assignment listeners is to grab a copy of both books, but emphasis on the Windsor Diaries, and we will revisit that later in the summer. Okay, so some really weird news out of Monaco's royal family. You know that we're obsessed with uh, Monaco's royal family as well. So Princess Charlene is recovering after surgery in South Africa, which is where she's from, and will not return to Monaco for her 10th wedding anniversary to Prince Albert, who is the monarch in July. So Princess Charlene has been away from Monaco since early May when she left to take part in activities in support of her South Africa Foundation and the promotion of wildlife protection. This included an abruptly canceled appearance at the Monaco Grand Prix, which we've spoken about on the show before on May 21st. And in a statement, she said, Quote, my daily conversations with Albert and my children helped me keep my spirits up a lot, but I miss their presence very much. I was lucky to have their visit to South Africa, and it was really wonderful to see them. I can't wait for us to be together, end quote. So this relationship has kind of been odd from the get-go. There were, for example, reports of Charlene weeping at her wedding to Albert in 2011, and I don't know, I'll... 
I'll stop there, but do you have any thoughts on this? So I don't really know how to respond to this. It seems like maybe there are some, <laughs> it's some just details lacking odd. from the story. Yeah. I mean, it almost feels inappropriate to speculate, you know, some of the details just because I, I don't, I'm not really sure. Um, but I did read a story in uh, on People Magazine's website that, you know, she had undergone surgery in May for an ear, nose, throat infection. Um, and so the reason she missed her 10th anniversary was due to a second surgery that was needed to quote, address complications from a previous operation end quote. Um, so the article also went on to say that she has additional procedures to undergo. She can't travel right now. And she plans to stay in South Africa for the foreseeable future. Um, if listeners don't know, she was actually born in Zimbabwe and grew up in South Africa. So she is in her home country. It's it's not like she was just traveling to someplace for work. Right. But yeah, so her husband, Prince Albert, and their children, they visited her earlier in June. Um, they do plan to go back soon. Um, and then the article that I was reading also said that she had originally planned to return to Monaco for a public appearance on July 2nd, um, which I guess won't happen now. But it didn't mention anything about their wedding day and her crying. I did see on their Instagram account, I think they shared some little video clip for their 10th anniversary that had some uh, video of their wedding and, and it, they kind of alluded to more to come. So what do you know about her crying at the wedding? I, I had not heard that before. There's, there's video of it. I mean, it's just, it's like, there were rumors and, and like, look, I, I don't really like gossip so much, but anyway, we're doing this. So let's just do it. Right. But um, back in 2011, when they got married, so they got married, William and Kate got married in April and then they got married that uh, July. And like, I, I can't remember how old Prince Albert was, but he was definitely in his forties, if not his fifties. I mean, he was a bachelor for a really long time. And so they, they'd been together for, uh, for a long time. And anyway, in the lead up to the wedding, it, was reported that she was getting cold feet and she wanted to go back to South Africa and um, that she didn't want to go through with it. And then there's video actually of her on her wedding day um, sobbing and it was played off at the time as she was just so overcome with happy emotion that she was getting married. I guess my final word on this is I hope that first of all, her health is okay. I hope she is on the mend and getting well. And I mean, obviously I hope their marriage is, is, I mean, they've been married for 10 years. They have twins and, um, you know, we would never obviously wish, uh, ill will on a, on a marriage. It's just this, this whole story, this whole, all of it is just, I feel like there's missing pieces, you know, like, I feel like there's parts of the story. I mean, and, and granted that it, I'm sure there is, it's really none of our business, but, um, I don't know. It's just, it just struck me as odd. And so I just, you know, I hope she's okay. I hope maybe Albert and the kids can go down to South Africa to visit her because it is their 10th anniversary. And that is, you know, we saw all the fanfare with William and Kate's 10th anniversary and, you know, um, Albert is, is the monarch. He, he is the crown. So, you know, it's, it's a big deal. So I hope that she's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I had not um, seen that story until you shared it with me. The Monaco royal family, a lot of you listeners are sleeping on them. That That's a juicy, juicy. I mean, not that the Windsors aren't giving us enough juice right now. They're, they're doing, they're not their job. You know what I mean? And 
they're doing they're doing just fine with giving us tons to talk about on this show but um the monaco that's why we talk about them is that they are super compelling and so um yeah anyway our well wishes and uh just wishes for health and happiness to charlene get better uh come back i was about to say come back home as if i've ever been to monaco come back home to monaco and see me but anyway <laughs> Um, moving on to our last piece of the Royal Rundown. So um, in the most compelling news story of the week, total sarcasm, Lifetime has finally, I've been waiting with bated breath this whole time, released the trailer for the upcoming movie, which will sure to win all the Oscars, Harry and Meghan Escaping the Palace, which it, it this liter- it literally says this in the, in the trailer, and I laughed out loud, which it is heralding as the movie event of the year. If, if that is the movie event of the year, then we are in real trouble cinematically. <laughs> um, I really hope that's not true. But in typical dramatic lifetime fashion, the trailer says, not all fairy tales have the perfect ending. That's my best lifetime voiceover <laughs> voice. Okay, so I say all that. Now, doggone it if I'm not going to watch this farce when it drops this fall. So did you see the trailer? So I saw a preview. Um, I don't know if it was the full trailer. Uh, and I didn't really get much from it on what all would be covered in the film. Um, but we know this is the third movie Lifetime is made about Harry and Meghan. and the trilogy. I feel like they've sort of, you know, followed each chapter of their lives together, and I'm assuming they do pretty well with their audience if they keep making them, Um, but one thing that struck me, so, you know, for a Lifetime movie, you don't really expect Oscar-worthy performances, and and I really couldn't tell from the preview what level of acting we're dealing with here, but um, (laughs) I was actually really surprised by how much the actress playing Megan sounded like Yes, Jessica, I thought the same, she sounds exactly like Megan. Yeah, I, like, exa- I thought like, insert Megan? Megan's voice. <laughs> you know, seriously, is she sound so okay? I thought in the second lifetime movie, um, that the actor, uh, the actress playing Megan looked a lot like Megan, but mm-hmm. the actor that played Harry sounded a lot like Harry. Mm. The actress that is playing Megan this go round, which why can't they get the same? actor and actress I don't really understand I guess you know they've moved on to greener pastures and off of lifetime movies maybe but um yes this actress sounds exactly like Megan (laughs) yeah I mean their voices were almost identical but as far as watching the movie I mean I'm not really a lifetime movie kind of person I (laughs) what you don't enjoy the finest movies that are the fine cinematic thrillers well well you know I I am more of a hallmark kind of girl so I like the lighthearted, predictable romantic happy ending kind of movies um Mm -hmm. and and lifetime to me seems to be a little bit more in the the drama and the scandal kind of yeah you gotta have scandal I mean we'll see who knows um I, I don't have plans to watch it but it, it may end up in in my queue so um I'm pretty sure that I'm gonna have you watch it with me yeah, we should <laughs> we'll have we'll have like a girls night and watch it so I don't think you can get out of that we if nothing else see the lifetime movies try to be so dramatic but what they end up being is just really 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 freaking funny because it's just so bad and you know but maybe this one will I mean they are heralding it as the movie event of the year so 
the bar is really high now. So I, mean, I guess we owe it to our listeners to watch it and review it, right? <laughs> of course we do. When I was doing the Duchess commentary, I w- the second movie came out and I did a whole blog post on it. So yeah, we got, you know, it's like our job to be the funnel and, and to, <laughs> to, to watch and, and review. So, oh my gosh, what an episode. This was so, so much fun. Um, I, Robert Lacey is, is a treasure, a delight and. I'm like over the moon about the Royal uh, Book Club. So pick up those two books and listeners, you know the drill. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Podcast Royal. Email us at hellopodcastroyal at gmail.com and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It really helps drive traffic to the show and grow our community. So thank you so much for tuning into episode 31 of Podcast Royal. We will chat with you next week with another special guest. Look at us with all the guests this summer. Um, We're just having so much fun talking to royal experts. So hope you have a great week and we'll chat with you next week. Bye. Bye.